from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Evan Earwicker, and I'm in studio this week with a new trio, which is uh, myself, Pastor Steve Mickle, and our executive pastor, Pastor Mike Alexander. Welcome, guys. Hello. Good to be here. And uh, yeah, it's been a good day. It's Father's Day today. We're actually recording this on uh, the evening of Father's Day. And so happy Father's Day, guys. Yeah, likewise. Do you guys do anything this afternoon? I ate and slept and watched golf, which I never do. I did all of that and add add uh, World Cup to that list. Ooh, upset. Or should I say that? I probably shouldn't say that. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. No, uh, there was a ton of upsets. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, excited. I spent some time in prayer and meal prep for some homeless <laughs> wow. folks. So <laughs> You're such a liar. <laughs> and that you're lying about serving the poor is really, that's pretty low. <laughs> it is. Uh, pretty low. It's really low. And I'm doing it in a public forum. Anyway. <laughs> Well, Steve, you uh, continued in your series this morning, uh, and a, a really not a not a lightweight message for Father's Day. Uh, Subversive Savior Part Two, really talking about the hard teachings of Jesus and what it is to use, uh, as you did, to use Kyle Eidelman's phraseology or phrasing uh, mm-hmm. to be a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus. Uh, how do you think the message connected with people? I think it connected great. I mean, I talked with people afterwards, and they never tell you if it doesn't. I mean, that not me. I think they tell Pastor Bo if it doesn't go well. I get a lot of emails. Yeah, and then they they go to Mike. <laughs> and maybe my assistant gets emails that I never see. Is it true? Does that happen? That, oh my gosh. I wonder that too. Actually, so. how many? How much you're not showing us, Mike, as the executive pastor? <laughs> like I'm looking at his you know, eyes, he's totally keeping something from me right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty rare, but yeah, you know, there's an occasional comment that you know they're not really not worth passing on, but they need some attention, and that's it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's one of the things about this series is somebody came up to me last week and said, "I hope that you know that people are actually having a bit of a problem. Otherwise, we're mm. we're probably not hitting um, it subversively enough. You yeah. know, where." Um, we're, you know, we feel like God's poking in at us a little bit and challenging our our way of thinking, and uh, and I think it's for the better. I think we we typically just kind of go with the flow in Christianity. We believe certain things all the time, never challenge it, never question it, never think more deeply about it. And I'm hoping this series will will give people permission to go a little to go under the surface of their faith mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and see what they really believe and and have a stronger, more lasting uh, faith than they had before. Do you find in your own life, Steve and Mike, um, that you we all you know waver in our fervor or our, how closely we follow Jesus? It's not like one static state of mind. Do you find yourselves though going in and out a lot of being a follower, close to following after the teaching of Jesus, and really internalizing things, and then falling out of that into just kind of like, yeah, that's what I believe, that's who I am, but kind of. Is that, a, is that a thing that happens a lot, or is that something that's like, yeah, some years were rough, but these past years have been graded? Kind of what's the frequency of that up and down for you guys? Hmm. For me, it's uh, the last two years, I'll be honest, has been a bit of a, a fog in terms of my faith. I, I think coming out of that fog of grief made me realize how um, on my own, I think I was trying to hmm. walk through it. And um, and kind of still mad at God for it, 
and not really running to him and sitting with him and and so that I think for me I think we can uh, we allow trials and trouble and hardship to either press us closer and deeper or we can as I think I experienced um move the opposite direction and maybe give up hope a little bit. I don't know Mike what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's true. I, you know, for myself, I find that there's no exact rhythm of coming in and out. You know, the thing that probably hits me the most is the cares of this life, right? You know, you you find that the cares of this life just end up capturing your mind, your thoughts, your drive, and all those kinds of things. And at whatever point something jars your attention, you go, hey, wow, gosh, I've really been kind of walking this on my own, not literally, but at least mentally and in, in, in terms of awareness. You know, you know, faith. I think faith in in this day and age is such a, well, it's in a box and it comes out on Sundays when I need it or, you know, and it's not really a part of our life. You know, it's not like for a lot of people, I think for a lot of Christians, um, I I don't know how involved we are or allow Jesus to be in, in our lives. And I, and I, and I think this Jesus was trying to connect more deeply with us um, in his teaching. And I, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, I find myself in and out all the time. You know, I'm close to him. I'm feeling really like, you know, moved. Um, and isn't it funny, though, we do attach it to emotions mm-hmm. and how we're doing emotionally. And uh, and I wonder if that's uh, to our detriment as well. Hmm. Let's talk about the crowd a little bit. The teachings that you mentioned this morning that Jesus um, spoke, specifically the, uh, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, really freaked people out. <laughs> yeah. And it had the effect of thinning the crowd. It's yes. a many, many stopped following him after this, that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, how, do we, how do we do this in a setting like ours where it's American Christianity, it's consumer centric, just, you know, as a general statement, maybe that's not fair in all contexts. But here we are in a large church in American Christianity, and we're preaching, trying to say following Jesus is hard. But clearly, we're trying to appeal to a lot of different people at different levels of faith. How yeah. do we reconcile the two? Something changed in me, I don't know, it was a year or so ago when I looked out at the, at the crowd at Westside on a Sunday, and that's what I saw. I saw the crowd. Hmm. Um, and I and I think we used to think of church as the core, you know, like they're the twelve disciples who Jesus gets away with on the mountain, who spends time with. And I'm like, wait a second, that's not actually true. I mean, there's a large percentage of people that have been following Jesus for a long time in our church, and so they probably wouldn't be in this category. But as I look out at the scope of who we minister to, I realize that yeah, this is the crowd. These are the people that some people are just checking Jesus out. Some are following him because of his miracles. Some are. Not sure about him. Um, some might turn away when they get hit hard by, you know, a teaching or life, and and like I'm out, you know. And so I realize that we can't. We have to be careful that one size doesn't fit all, mm-hmm. and we have to know who we're talking to, and and keep challenging people as I think Jesus did to go deeper, mm-hmm. go deeper, go deeper. Come follow me. Come follow me. You know, pick up your cross. You know, it's not about you and all of this stuff. Cause he was kept trying to draw the crowd into the core. He kept drawing, mm-hmm. trying to, he wanted, he wanted a big inner circle. He didn't, he didn't want, you know, I mean, I think he wants the whole world in his inner circle. And so he keeps calling people from the outskirts, the outlying areas in closer. And, but it's challenging because he, the thing that keeps us away from him is us. You know, it's our stuff, it's our wants, it's our desires, and none of that's bad, but, you know, what priority does it have in our lives? 
And I wonder, too, the role of the Holy Spirit in the mix, um, allowing what Jesus had with a few to then on the day of Pentecost, that circle rapidly gets a lot bigger because now the Spirit of Christ is indwelling, not just with those that he can walk with, but to anyone who would receive it. And so you see this immediate explosion of who can be on the end with Jesus because of the Holy Spirit, you know. And yet here we are trying to allow the crowd to exist, not expecting that everyone's going to be, you know, in all the time, a thousand people in a room and and all of them are going to be, of course not, of course not. But we have the Holy Spirit allowing it to be bigger than just who Steve Mickle or Mike Alexander can personally pray for or be with today. People can experience this closeness. And it's funny because church today is about keeping people, not about sending them away and Jesus seemed to be about both you know mm-hmm. and I, I sometimes I, I'm a, I would be a little worried I guess if if all I saw was just crowds gathering bigger and bigger and bigger and and there wasn't enough challenge to cause people to go you know I think I'm I think I'm gonna go find somewhere else and find life there and hopefully find their way back to West Side or to any other church that's preaching Jesus. So I just I, I look at that and I go, I, I don't want to be just a church that's constantly growing and you know, um and everybody's happy about being a Christian and it's really easy and it's exciting, and it's kind of the in thing and it's kind of a club and we're all great and happy and you know, uh that's not real. Yeah. So how do you <clears throat> How do you see people managing the tension? Because what, what I experience, what it seems like other people experience is you want to follow Jesus. And when that's playing out in day-to-day, Monday through you know, Sunday life, um, there is this tension between being all in with Jesus, completely focused, completely surrendered, all these kinds of traits and attributes that he called us to. You know, these are things that we would consider intense, like drink my blood, eat my flesh. And yet there's the practical mundane of like, hey, should we, you know, go here or there? Should we buy a new car uh, this month to replace our dying car? Uh, if so, should it be uh, this brand or that brand or red? Or, you know, there is somehow that tension between the really practical mundane of life and and walking out this really in, kind of intense... That's a great question, Mike. I think, it, I think it's principle-based. So, like, use the buying a car, for example. So... Um, you know, we have a joke around the staff. I love Teslas. I mean, I, I love Teslas. And there's a few people, there's a handful of people on our team, you should get one, you know? Amen. And we, yeah, <laughs> you're one of them. And my wife and I, if we like, if we, we could figure it out, actually, you know, mm-hmm. we could, we could, you know, save some money here, redo our budget, and we could actually figure out how to afford a monthly payment on a Tesla. Here's the problem, is that the challenge of walking with Jesus is that, um, is that we have to look at our world holistically and mm-hmm. we can't and we can't live in this bubble that well I can do it so it must be okay for me mm. rather it's like well I could do it but that represents dollars that might Jesus might actually use differently if he was sitting in my chair and and so I'm not and I'm not going to get all legalistic about it nobody should drive teslas we got a couple people in the church who have teslas I idolize them I think they're amazing <laughs> but you know we just have to we have to ask harder questions mm. Mm. Even about day to day issues, we just have to ask harder questions. And I don't. And I don't think we we should ever get legalistic and everybody arrive at the same place. And we're going to do the same thing. There was a holiness movement back in the seventies that was mm-hmm. like that, and it was so bad for the church. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. But I also want to think more deeply about stuff like this because of the way of Jesus. 
And it is, it's Jesus that is constantly asking the questions in different contexts. The questions he asked uh, to, you know, Nicodemus are different than the questions he asked to Lazarus. There, there's different things, but he's always asking. He's always challenging. Mm-hmm. So for you, it might be a, a challenging this thought of, I could own a Tesla. Why not? For me, that might be completely, not even in my mind, but it's a different question. And I think that's the beauty of what Jesus does if we allow religion to be set aside, is that he will ask us different questions. Religion wants to keep us mm-hmm. all in the same questions and all the same answers, and it's death. Yeah, it is. And that's a great point because there's so many um, individual conversations Jesus have that we take and we say, this applies to everyone at all time. Rich young ruler is a great example. Sell all all you have and give to the poor. So should every Christ follower sell everything they have and give to the poor? No, that guy should. Right, because Jesus was talking to that guy, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think we always have to be careful and we and to hear what is Jesus asking me, and not extrapolate that out. Well, that means everybody should do it or shouldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? I think that I think we, Jesus is very individualized. He knows exactly what we need, what we can handle, um, etc. And and to lean into that is is helpful. Yeah. And maybe it, it challenges what is often our dualistic thinking, right? It's either all or nothing, in or out, you have to or you shouldn't. And, and sometimes it's just not that black and white. There, it, uh, somehow following Jesus in a bit of a non-dual way calls us to a little more of a spirit-led life, right? That's exactly right. There, I mean, there are so many areas of my life that are dualistic in, in approach where I'm thinking, well, I should do this, but I'm, I'm going to do this, you know? I know, I know my parents' generation, so many of them were like, I was like, you should be saving for retirement. And they're like, no, we're going to give our lives fully to the gospel, you know? And I'm like, okay. And so now my generation is, we're like saving for retirement, you know? <laughs> Not just for us, but for our kids and et cetera. And nothing wrong with either approach. I think that's what we, where we get in the mistake is when we, when we start making rules mm-hmm. based on what Jesus has said to me personally. That's, that's trouble. And I think uh, if we're reading the words of Jesus that way, is it fair to say that we could read the rest of the Bible with an understanding of context and, and the importance of that, whether it be the Old Testament or go fast forward to the end to Paul's writings? Uh, we've seen, I think, the same issue where people will take something that is directed at a, a situation or a very specific set of circumstances in a church and just say, well, that's that's it for all time for everybody. Mm-hmm. A, a good example is uh, women being allowed to speak. And we've addressed that many times in this podcast, but throughout context has to be considered, right? When we read scripture, we love our doctrine. <laughs> we love having God in a box yeah. Yeah. and we all know it and it's all written down somewhere, you know, and theologians have thought hard and long about this and no, we just love our doctrine. We love it. And it, it, pushes us and makes us do things that maybe aren't the way of Jesus. Yeah. Just like the Jewish people in Jesus' day were doing things that the law, quote, in quotations, required, but it wasn't the way of Jesus. And I sometimes I think our doctrine is that now, that we have these sets of these precepts that, um, man, we'll follow those. And if Jesus shows up and says, no. We're like, well, let's crucify him, you know? Let's not listen to that guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. If Jesus shows up, if you're listening to this and you believe that women uh, aren't, should not be allowed to speak, and Jesus shows up and tells you that they are, 
right now I can even feel in this room <laughs> the tension r- rising in some people. Mm. Right, right. Because our doctrine is so important to us. And and I'm not saying doctrine's unimportant, but let's make sure it it's it serves the mission of Jesus and not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and the book of Acts, if people are saying, well, I don't think that's biblical, we see it in black and white in the book of Acts in a dream Peter has, where mm-hmm. this, this sheet is lowered from the heavens filled with pigs. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and when the voice says, what? Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he, he feels that tension. It's the same thing. This, yeah. well, I'm not allowed to. That's unclean. That's unholy. And the response of Jesus to Peter is, do not call unclean what I have called clean. And so we see this, that even in the book of Acts, God appearing to Peter mm. and saying, hey, context matters. What I say now matters more than what you've understood up to this point. And so this isn't some progressive new thought. This is this is how Jesus revealed himself, even as far as the book of Acts. Yeah. I, I love how that calls us to more of a life and a walk of interdependence on God rather than, okay, I got all the rules figured out. I can follow that. I'll just do that. You know, you look at the writings of Paul, and, and the modern church, I've heard it said, you know, we tend to be more followers of Paul than followers of Jesus, even. We, oh, we tend to get so much of our doctrine yeah. from Pauline writings. And yet, it was Paul who said, all things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. Hmm. And he was essentially saying, hey, prefer the weaker brother or sister. Consider that he was calling people to, again, context, consideration, wisdom, spirit-led life. Yeah, and it comes back to Jesus saying, treat each other as I've already treated you. Mm. Everything should come through that litmus of love. Am I being loving to anyone? Am I enemy? People who disagree with me? People who live a lifestyle that I don't agree with? Um, people that do agree with me? How am I interacting with them in a Christ-filled um, Christ-oriented way rather than, well, the Bible says, I can't talk to you. <laughs> um, really? Did it say that? Or is that something that was specific to a s- specific situation, relationship, etc.? So anyway, I think, I think the way of Jesus and the subversive way of Jesus is opening us up to new ideas and thoughts that the, His Spirit is speaking to us um, that won't contradict Scripture. It won't ever contradict Scripture. But um, as Jesus said last, like we talked about last week, You've heard it said, but now I'm saying, there's, I'm going to redefine some things for you in this season. So. Yeah. One last topic I want to ask you guys about is the nature of challenge from the platform or from those who are speaking. Uh, how does that hit people? One, I think one of you, I think Steve, you said this week, there was a moment where someone came to you years ago and said, I was about to leave the church, yeah. but then you asked me to change. Yep. That you challenged me, and so I'm here. Mm. Yeah. And so what is the function of challenge? Do we do it enough? Do we challenge people to, to rise up and step up enough? Or do we soft pedal? And Man, it depends on who you are, Evan. It depends on your personality, what you're, <laughs> what you're oriented toward. I'll have some guys that are just like, hit me hard, man, right between the eyes. <laughs> Let me have yeah. it, Pastor. You know? And I'm like, all right, I'll give it to you. you know? um, but then there's others who are... They they just they're a little bit slower processors and everything. But at the end of the day, movement. Mm-hmm. We That's good. we need movement. Um, I can't stay where I am. And to move to a new place requires that we get a little tired of the old. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the way we get tired of the old is somebody pointing it out to us in a loving way, but also in a direct way. And Jesus did that all the time. He showed that hey, you're here. 
but I want you to be here mm-hmm. and you need to, and it, and it require, it will require movement and that movement is often painful, but are you moving? Are, is there movement happening in your life? Is there challenge happening? Is the, are you being convicted? Um, are you being encouraged by the spirit? Are, you know, are you moving closer to his way? Are, are you being used by God? Do you know what your gifts of the spirit are? Do you, are you, you know, are you growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? Are you, are you moving? Yeah, that, yeah. that, I think, is the essence. It's not about following a bunch of stuff. And it's not challenge for challenge's sake. It's not subversive for subversive's sake. It is, Jesus, move me. Mm-hmm. Make me more like you. Don't let me stay where I am. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move. Let's keep moving. Let's keep being challenged and, and move closer to not just the one ideal that God holds for everybody, but also where he is asking you to go and me to go and us to move um, this week. And such a good challenge. Uh, Steve, you're going to be taking some time with your family. Yeah, we're uh, actually get to go back to Europe. Um, we've been saving for a long, long, long time uh, to take all of our family, my boys and my daughter-in-law, uh, back to Europe. We were planning this trip before our son Chase died. And when he died, we were like, well, should we go? And everybody was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and Because uh, you're paying, right? So yeah. everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all fine. But yeah, we're, we leave tomorrow, actually. And we're gone for two and a half weeks, uh, two weekends. Um, I think Pastor mm-hmm. Bo and you, Evan, are yeah. taking those two weekends. And then um, I'll come back and wrap up this series on Subversive Savior. Yeah, great. Well, really enjoy your time away. Uh, we'll hold the fort down for you, or Mike will, and we'll just all run around what like happens, crazy. What happens in the office when I'm not around? How would we know, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody comes in. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't Ask believe Mike, that. He's but... there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. All right, well, we are uh, going to head back into another service and hear this message one more time from you, Steve, and looking forward to that. Uh, you can listen to Steve's message from this week at westsidechurch.org. And of course, we are at behindthemessage.org. You can email your thoughts and feedback to hello at behindthemessage.org. We'll see you next week. <laughs>